Welcome to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all continuing to stay safe and healthy and taking care of yourselves. Uh, August is heating up with so much new music coming from friends of the pod like All Right, Oceanator, Guilt, and others that, you know, I've been trying to boost more and more. And I feel like I almost need a calendar set (laughs) so I can keep track of it all. It's so exciting. But if anything, I find myself going to Lindsay Kersky's new Music Friday post. Um, Those are on the alternative every Friday, of course, to kind of try to keep track of it all. And it's really been so helpful when it comes to finding new tunes. So honestly, shout out to Lindsay. You are a gift, honestly, for putting all that together for all of us and making it so easy for a lot of people in independent music and who really love this stuff to be able to find more artists that they're really excited about. Um, Speaking of finding things... I'm really fascinated by this trend of newsletters by writers from across like independent writing in general as well as um, DIY and stuff. I think that's really awesome. I've gone on a subscribe spree on Twitter and I found myself digging into writing collected by um, Miranda Reinert, uh, James Cassard, Lindsay Carescu, Kayla Carmichael, and so many others who are out there doing this cool stuff with newsletters. It's a kind of nice virtual surprise in your inbox and I've followed a number of them for like industry stuff for like the field I'm in for my day job which is UX but I really like digging into these more intimate styles of writing. If that's something you're into be sure to keep an eye out for these newsletters that a lot of interesting writers are trying out online. It's really awesome and um, I like getting to kind of read stuff that's a little bit more personal and impactful and stuff. So shout out to everybody who's doing that. That's really cool. And I'm excited to see what you do with your awesome newsletter projects. Okay, on to this week's guest. I am joined by Sophia of Riverbee. Um, This is a really awesome band out of Philadelphia that has such cutting, brilliant music that just hits in every way imaginable for me. Um, it's probably because Sophia's take on songwriting is as intimate as reading their own diary. Uh, the band's latest record, Smart Mouth, really emphasizes deep and crucial moments for Sophia, all while backed by some really emotionally driven sound. Sophia joined this week to share the stories and thoughts behind the hit tracks on Smart Mouth, uh, their influences, and so much more. So with that, let's hear more Riverby and then hear the interview with Sophia.
right. Well, welcome, Sophia, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are you doing? I, you know, I was about to say I can't complain. I probably could, but, you know, I think right now in this moment, doing all right. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm just thrilled to be able to chat with you where it feels like this is like my favorite part of my day right now because I've been looking forward to like this conversation ever since um, I started listening to your record. So this is exciting oh for God. me. Oh, I was so excited that it was probably like 6.05 and my, I don't know if it was my anxiety or my excitement, but I just was staring at my phone, like <laughs> waiting until it was the appropriate time to go on to the meeting. Oh, that kind of but makes yeah, me happy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the weirdest way I could have said, thank you. It's a delight to be here. Oh, I love it though, honestly. And this is, I can already tell this is gonna be such a fun conversation. <laughs> I have nothing if not personality, so it's gonna be a time. I love it. I love it. Honestly, like uh just just this and the fact that you have an awesome band, Riverbeat, that I'm very, very excited about. This is this is definitely gonna be an awesome conversation. Uh let's let's dig into it. Tell me about how you first began to like play music and kind of get involved in music? Okay, so um, I started playing guitar when I was 10. Um, my mom had a rock band in the 70s. It was a cover band for The Who. It was called The What. Uh, <laughs> I love that name. And, oh, yeah, they almost got, from what my mom told me, they almost got signed to a record label back in like 77 or something but they only want they found out they only wanted the girls on the label they wanted to get rid of the men to make it some like weird like really sexually charged like thing and they all turned it down and then she gave me like she was like yeah this is stupid now here's some guitars and I went do you uh, sure yeah <laughs> okay I like it um but yeah I started playing when I was 10 and writing around then um but I actually started like getting into music when I moved to Philly about five years ago. I just started playing some open mic nights in the Maniunk area and just like kind of fell into the group playing with uh, uh, the, the guys that are my band now. So it was really nice. That's awesome. And I read that like, you know, Riverview really started after 4 a.m. after an open mic. Can you tell that story for everybody? Oh, I see. I love this story because um, Tyler and I have two kind of opposite memories where I remember literally everything about anything. It's a gift and a curse. And Tyler forgets things that I tell him 15 minutes ago. Uh, so <laughs> I remember the night being like, we got, a, we got pretty sauced. I mean, we are, we are adults above the drinking age at a bar. We, we were pretty sauced up. And we were playing I've Just Seen a Face by the Beatles and Kids by MGMT, like, on a, like, the worst broken record loop you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and this wasn't our first time doing this. Like, uh, we, we, we often got into this groove on a Wednesday night and we would, like, play some material that we were working on for each other and kind of, like, give little tips. Because I liked his band, the Tisburys, which is actually the shirt that I'm wearing right now. Um, huh. I plug him all the time. <laughs> and um, I remember we, we kind of were just like, we just stopped and we looked at each other and we were like, you want to just like play a show together sometime? You want to like start a band? And it, we felt kind of silly that it took us like months to figure that out. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, and then we just like stumbled back to our respective houses. And I think like two days later, we had our first practice in his basement. I remember because it, we got a noise complaint. The cops had to come to the house. And I guess they had been there enough for the same reason that Tyler opened the door and they were like, oh, come on, man. Just left. <laughs> and I was like, is this my life now? Just <laughs> noise complaint. Um, yeah, then we had our first show April 20th, 2018 at Dawson Street Pub where we actually work. So <laughs> we're just hanging out, honestly. I think that's what we're still doing. <laughs> That's really awesome, though. And the fact that you're kind of take it from like chill friendship at open mic to this really awesome band that I have a feeling is just going to keep growing. I feel like a lot of people are talking about y'all right now, too, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it it, it, it makes my acid reflux kind of like, <laughs> like I get very nervous when I know people are talking about me. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I'm not there to say anything. Me not having control over a situation. Oof. That's a nightmare. Hey, from what I'm seeing, it's all positive stuff, which is awesome. <laughs> that, sorry, that, that sound was inhumane. That just exited me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird. I'm very like, I'm a super, super anxious person and Tyler's one of the most like outwardly chill people that I know. So I'll be talking to him and I'm like, this is happening now and this is happening now, blah, blah, blah. And I just get back like a thumbs up emoji or a cool. And I'm like, this is not the energy I'm trying to receive right now. Oh my God. <laughs> so uh, he's something. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's great that you kind of have that like uh, variety of personality kind of going on in the band and stuff. How does that help you all? Um, I think it, it helps even us out a lot, I think, because we kind of have two very opposing ends of, like, that, not energy spectrum, but, like, uh, I don't know how we kind of produce the energy. So Dan, our drummer, and I are probably two of the most, like, we're very, we're pretty, like, loud, obnoxious, like, very anxious-in-your-face humans. Mm -hmm. Like, when we all go to record the album, Dan and I are the, always the ones screaming into the mics and just freaking out, like puppies. But then you have Doug, our bassist, and Tyler, who, like, um, last year we played on uh, a radio station here. We did, like, a live performance of a few songs, and we were there, and Doug and Tyler are just calmly trading Pokemon between each other on Pokemon Go. Meanwhile, I'm having a full-on panic attack in the corner. So it kind of evens us out that, like, Doug and Tyler are kind of always there to mellow us and remind us, like, yo, it's fine, it's chill, just vibe and whatever and meanwhile dan and i are like who wants to go throw up in the parking lot ah! <laughs> that's perfect because no. you have you have like a puke buddy when you get nervous <laughs> i do that's i literally have told dan that he is my nervous puke buddy before so thank oh. you for saying that. <laughs> and i'm sorry for outing both him and i as nervous pukers <laughs> Oh, God. That's, a, that's okay. This is a safe space. And if anybody makes fun of you, I will fight them. Where are all my nervous pukers at? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I get the I, vibe, I but I don't, it doesn't happen. Does that, is that accurate? Cause it's like, uh, I don't ever do it, but I'm like, I get close sometimes. Maybe you spiritually. Spiritually. Yeah. We connect in that way. <laughs> I, I, on every level dude I have no shame in it like if you know it's 15 minutes before my set 
and you can't find me, you know exactly what's happening. And it doesn't matter where I am or what's happening. I'm like, it's time. It's my time (laughs) to shine. That's so amazing. And like, I feel like, uh, you know, you bring so much honesty, I feel like to your music. It's definitely like a trait that I definitely love. And I'm kind of curious about like, what do you feel you bring to your music when it comes to maybe those kind of traits as well as like uh, sounds and stuff like that? I don't know. I think I just bring like, I don't think of anything in terms of like what I bring. It's more just how I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with Smart Mouth in particular, I kind of, Tyler and I had been talking about what we want the album to sound like for a while, as, like before and as we were recording it, him and I would, uh, so we recorded the album about like 45 minutes away from Philadelphia and a few times him and I would take the train up there to do it and we would spend the time on the train listening to songs that we were kind of like feeling the vibe for, things like that, but I wanted, I really liked the power pop sound. I love that sound. I grew up and I was raised on Warped Tour and pop punk and all that, but I found myself getting very, um, and I, I'm sure a lot of people in the music industry understand, very frustrated and very angry at the people within the scene who were abusing power and not being the best kind of people, specifically in that genre too. Like there was a very direct correlation between men in pop punk and all of that being shitty. And I think what I really just brought to this was how much I, I personally wanted to try to start reclaiming the genre and the sound because of my rage towards what had happened to it and what it became. Mm. You, you, you hear the term pop punk and you don't think anymore about like how much fun it was to jump around and scream like Check Yes Juliet by We The Kings because you know how shitty the people singing all of these songs were. So I think I'm just really fueled by like the need to bring a new audience to the sound, but also bring better people into it to recreate it. So I think it's less honesty and more just, I'm just fed up and pissed off and I have nothing to lose. Like what, if this album doesn't do well, what do I really have to lose besides like a few days of my time? Like, okay. (laughs) Even then there's still like nothing to regret because you still created something and you did it with like your friends. I, I really think music just boils down to be a good person don't be shitty um be transparent and make music that your friends and you love like if i can't listen to my own music in my living room like drinking with my friends having a party like i don't want to make that music like i want to listen to my own music so i think that's just important absolutely and it's like um i get bored of the party music i really do it's like I, everybody, let's be real, especially with our generation, kind of parties the same way, or at least so much similarly that it's kind of, it gets boring and it's usually leads to like shitty situations. So why do (laughs) I I want this? (laughs) I personally, so like, I, I come from a very, whoa, sorry. I just made eye contact with the fattest squirrel outside my window (laughs) and it made me lose my mind. Um, but I, I do love I don't want to say I love like partying but I love like um I used to go to a lot of raves like I was really big in the EDM scene I um I love hyper pop I love like uh, I've been my album came out the same day that the 100 gets remix album did and I forgot my album came out that day because I was so invested in listening to that like (laughs) I love all music but I just I love energy more than anything else Mm -hmm. so like 
I, I don't want to make music that I feel like people would, <laughs> would put into bad situations, if that makes any kind of sense at all. I think um, it does. I, I just want to, like, I'm never going to knock any anyone's, like, musical taste or anything. I really want to try to create something that's good for everybody, that everybody would like. Maybe not in every situation. I don't think Smart Mouth would play well after a eulogy. But <laughs> um, I, ju- I just want everybody to have fun. And I want people to remember that they can. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like that's something that you definitely accomplish in this record. Like to where it's like you can have like these certain sounds that can fit within so many different spaces and scapes. But you are also honest with your experiences, which is really freaking cool. Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, the moment you start lying about your experience with music, how, how do you keep that up then? Like, if, if I feel like songs are, they're, they're just tiny little diaries, whether they're yours or someone else's. But if you start to lose yourself when you make music, how, like, how do you find joy within yourself to keep going with it? I don't know. <laughs> Things like that. I believe it. When I, when I see artists start hating the industry and hating their music, it makes me wonder why they started, how they started, and how they created to begin with. I don't know. Maybe I don't know enough. <laughs> Did I just gaslight myself right there? God. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> but I really like, I do know enough. <laughs> honestly I do like that you kind of describe songs as tiny little diaries it's like the coolest way I've ever heard a song described as because it's like whenever you're writing something that's that personal and for a lot of people it is because it's whether it's the words that you've written or it's also the way that people are interpreting them it's like they may not be able to put the words to their experiences but they connect to your music sometimes because you were able to articulate them for them you know yeah Whenever, I've had a few people, like, send me a a DM or a message, like, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter, or, like, even Snapchat, a few people that I know, um, and they've been like, oh, uh, like, The Giving Tree, somebody was like, you know, The Giving Tree, I really connect to it, blah, 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 and my first response is like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, there are a few things where they'll be like, yeah, I really understand, um, out of tune, I really connect with it, and I'm like, who hurt you? Because I know who hurt me. <laughs> um, sorry. So I feel like it's in, important to get yourself out there within songs, but also to I don't know, build up the people who also connect with them. <laughs> Absolutely. That's really like amazing attitude and kind of responsibility to kind of take on in that way too. Because to, to respond to people who are kind of letting you know, like, maybe sometimes in the most subtle way it's like I've been through what you've been through also and like holy shit but it's nice that you're able to even just like musically provide almost like a like an artistic support system because it's like you feel validated and heard by an experience when somebody especially whenever it's somebody who can either look like you or have the same identity as you and stuff whenever they articulate that same experience it makes it that much more powerful you can connect that much more because it's like oh not just like he got it, but they got it. And like this, that's so much more important to actually have somebody who is like you articulate that experience. Oh yeah. I can't. So I grew up on like, um, I have a half sister who's 14 years older than me. So when I was born, 
in 93, she, like, I was out of the womb, and she was having me listening to, like, Alanis Morissette, Liz Fair, Garbage, um, David Bowie, Nirvana, like, a lot of, like, Kurt Cobain and everything. I, I saw specs of myself within them, but I, mm. but I couldn't grasp onto why I couldn't connect fully. Like, I loved Alanis Morissette, but there was always something missing, and it's because I had, like, besides maybe Bowie, Prince, it, it was really hard for me to find, like, androgynous more of the queer icons for me to see myself in so i think it's important being non-binary for me to try to really can i don't know if like a lot of people are gonna listen to my stuff and i don't care either way but like if they do like i would like for other non-binary people to also see non-binary people music be like oh my god yeah i see that like wow look at look at us <laughs> who would have thought not me <laughs> uh, Bless you for bringing Paul Rudd into this. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I don't trust a lot of white men. That's the one. Men, but I, you know, Paul Rudd's not bad. No, <laughs> Paul Rudd is probably one of the handful of like cis white dudes where I'm like, you're probably okay. Respect. <laughs> I don't say you are. Like, I don't trust you. But like, all right. Like, I wouldn't get nervous in a room with you. Right. Not, not, not for like any like actually like threatening reasons. It would be more so. It's like, oh shit, that's Paul Rudd. That would be yeah, the only reason why I would get nervous. <laughs> and then I'd go up to him and be like, "Did you also kind of feel weird about the step sibling relationship in Clueless?" Just, <laughs> and then I just leave. No answer. Just leave. Just, just, just drop the question and run away. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to think on it. have a discussion about it. I just want him to really sit with that. I just <laughs> I have a feeling he's definitely thought about it. <laughs> you have to. I think I think about dumb shit that I said when I was 10 years old. There's no way he hasn't thought like did I endorse step sibling weird behavior? Did I did I is did I endorse incest? Like I I'm not I'm not sure. That was a thing in 90s teen movies too. I noticed. Incense. It's weird. <laughs> The 90s were a lawless time. It really was. No wonder I, why millennials turned out the way that we did, honestly. Like, and Gen Z is, I, I love TikTok, and I just see Gen Z tearing millennials to shreds, and millennials aren't even fighting back. We're like, yeah. You're right. Like, that's how, that's what's <laughs> happened to us as a generation. We don't even have the fight in us when we get roasted anymore. We're like, whatever. Like, everybody does. Everybody roasts us. What's new? <laughs> new. Millennials turn into such weird people, but I try to love us for it. <laughs> we're, we're the quirky generation, that's for sure. We're quirky. <laughs> we're something, that's for sure. Hopefully something good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. There's still time, right? I hope. We'll it's see. Next uh, time on Glee. Because um, I, I look at I look at us trying to like change the world right now. Gen Z is doing the bulk of the the work, I gotta say. But like I look at millennials trying their best right now and I remember doing the cinnamon challenge and I'm like Us? We're doing I remember the gallon milk challenge. Anybody? I wanna know just how many just remember the kiddos did the tide pods. I'm gonna be honest though, but did they not <laughs> run after we walked? They did like, run. They did. They full on sprinted like into a marathon with no I, end in sight. That's why Gen Z will win because they have no fucks to give. They're like, I mean, Todd Pods. What? What? You had cinnamon week, and we're like, wow, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> One point to uh to to the Z. There we go. I really I'm such I'm a bootlicker for Generation Z. I truly am. I really when they take over the world and crush everyone, I hope to God they spare me. Like please. <laughs> I'm so scared of them. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who's Gen Z is listening is now aware and hopefully will not exploit Ooh, that. God, I don't know what I have to do, but if I'm going to be honest, if I woke up and Gen Z started roasting me on the internet, I would like run away into the woods. I would not return. You would never see me again. I can take boomer abuse all day, but Gen, Gen Z, no. Mm. They're merciless. They're kind of the cool kids, too. They are. And, it, oh, my God, maybe that's why I get so nervous, because I'm brought back to when I was, like, uncool in middle school and high school. <laughs> and I remember the feeling of, like, being near the popular kids and mm-hmm. sweating profusely and knowing I was going <laughs> to word vomit some dumb shit. And that's what Generation Z does to me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a feeling. Um, earlier, you brought up your sister introducing you to, like, a lot of music of the 90s, like the Liz Fair, the Nirvana, oh, yeah. the Garbage, all that stuff. I'm kind of curious, can you talk about some of, like, your influences and maybe artists who've kind of motivated you in your songwriting? Ooh, um, I gotta say, like, obviously Alanis Morissette and uh, Nirvana are probably, like, my top two. I have a, like, framed poster of Kurt Cobain on my wall at all times, which, am I proud of that? Who's to say? Um... <laughs> Honestly, uh, high-key BTS. Swear to God. I love BTS so much. I am a K-pop, like, fanatic. I love Korean pop music, and I love the songwriting within them, specifically on a lot of BTS tracks. Mm-hmm. And I, I would go to coffee shops or diners, and I would literally be listening to BTS and just write based off of like the emotions I was feeling during the songs. They genuinely smart mouth wow. would not be here without BTS. And I hope they hear this. That would be so cool. If BTS um, is listening to my podcast, I, we, wow. We've got a whole thing. To, you know, <laughs> we got, that. we got a lot of work to do and that's a very exciting thing. <laughs> yeah. I go from like Alanis Morissette and Kurt Cobain to BTS, um, Kilani, uh, Gineco, um, I really, I love just, like, lyrical, I, I I just think that they're poets more than, like, not that that it's more than songwriting, but I'm, I'm very big into lyrics. I don't know, Utada Hikaru, uh, like, there, there's a lot. Uh, Regina Spector is a big one for me, too. I hear Samson and I cry to this day, so, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. What an awesome list you've got there, and so much variety, too. I feel like it shows in your music. I mean, I try really hard to... I remember being a kid and, like, shitting on different kinds of music because I had, like, either it was, like, internalized misogyny of not wanting to be, like, quote-unquote, like, the other girls at the time and wanting to only listen to Bright Eyes and Death Cab for Cutie or Mm -hmm. then flipping a switch and only listening to, like, One Direction. I, I just think it's important to not count out any kind of genre i mean i love old country too uh anything post kind of 9-11 when it turned to weird nationalist country isn't really my shit Mm -hmm. um but i feel like every every single genre has important roots and important artists and to discredit any of them and try to like shit on a genre or any type of music just kind of 
says more about you than it does about the music. Like, just grow up. <laughs> like, totally. I've always had the attitude of like, just because it wasn't made for me or it's not for me doesn't mean it's not good. It's just not for me. And I wish that a lot of people who had those like negative attitudes would just kind of come at it more so with that mentality of like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that song, that album is just not for me or that artist isn't for me. And that's okay. Cause maybe you weren't their target audience anyway. Like I see a lot of, that's how we, that, you know, that's exactly how I feel about people bringing up a hundred gecks and stuff. Um, I see a lot of like polarization because obviously the internet does like a hundred gecks is a, a very polarizing group for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of even like, other musicians and stuff being like, is this supposed to be music? And I'm like, look at that sentence. Like, look at what you're saying as a musician, putting out content, trying to be condescending towards one of the most popular acts in the world right now. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, they don't give a fuck about your opinion and they don't give a shit about whether you think it's music or not. Like, even people when, who would shit on Justin Bieber when he first came out with Baby. Justin Bieber needs so much money. Do you think he cares about your opinion over whether it's music or not? Like, just because you don't think it's music, I think says more about insecurities within yourself of what you consider to be. Or like, I hate music elitists. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you going to tell me you listen to do? Only Bob Dylan? Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't care. Like, adapt or die. Like, hyperpop's lit. It's fun. You don't always have to be deep and lyrical and angsty you're allowed to just have fun like sometimes you just need to jump around and get some energy out and sometimes the you know a playful hyper pop song is just what you need for that moment and stuff and like you know there's all kinds of like music out there that's for different people with different moods and it's that's why there's so much variety to begin with is it's like people need different things and they want different things and there's room for all of it you know I'm like have you listened to Carly Rae Jepsen? Tell me you don't get serotonin when Runaway With Me comes on. Like, I don't understand. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you don't know how to have fun. Like, learn sometime. I don't know. Yeah, if anything, I always take it more as an opportunity of like, hey, you clearly have not heard this before. Get hyped. And it's yeah. been usually successful when I come at it with that approach. Because, I mean, yeah. I've introduced even my mom to music and she's been like, whoa, wait a second. That's great. I'm like, exactly. And you know, sometimes it just like, sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. And that's cool. Cause you know, I always joke that she's cooler than I am. Cause she listens to like more <laughs> mainstream, like popular music. And I don't know half the shit that's going on. And I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah. I, and it's not because I like falter for it. I just always joke, but I'm like, you're cooler than me. You're more with it than I am. You know? I can't keep up. There's like, so much now. Especially in 2020 when you have all the social media and people can produce and put out content at much an easier and a faster rate than mm-hmm. ever before that like songs come out now and I have to sit back and I'm like, okay, I either keep listening to the albums that I like or I abandon all the music I love to listen to new things, but I can't do both and I don't know where to go. <laughs> I get overwhelmed and then I only listen to my record. Spoiler alert. I really like my record. <laughs> it's that fucking good, honestly. It's good. It is. I'm not gonna lie, it's good. <laughs> I'm so glad you're proud of it too, because this is an awesome record. And I kind of want to hear about your songwriting process for Smart Mouth. How did it all kind of come together? Okay. Um, so I started writing parts of Smart Mouth when I was like 19, I think. I wrote the Telltale Heart of most of it when I was 19 years old. Mm. Um, the Giving Tree, I think I wrote when I was like 
oh man, I have to do simple math and it's really a bummer. Um, I think I was 23 when I wrote Giving Tree. Um, yeah, I, I really, my songwriting process is just like, I, I can like, I just have notebooks where I just like write a whole bunch of random shit. And it doesn't have to be a song. It's just like everything I'm thinking, everything I'm feeling. I don't care if it's good. I don't care if it's bad. It's just shit that I really need to get out. Mm-hmm. And if I start out shitty when I'm writing, it doesn't really matter because I'm, I'm poking at different parts of myself that I really need to get out onto paper or like release that I don't think I've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of, I usually do that like out at a diner or a coffee shop. And then I come home and I really, I sit down with my notebooks and I look and I pick little pieces that I'm like, oh, that's a good line there. That could be a good hook. And I, I don't, I'm not a great guitar player. Like I, that's not me being down upon myself. I just like, I'm more of a songwriter rather than I am like a musician. And so I'll follow around on my acoustic and kind of build something. And then I bring it to Tyler and I'm like, help. (laughs) (laughs) How do you make song? And then (laughs) we sit in his basement for two days and create like just awesome shit and usually to the dancing queen drum sample honestly (laughs) um and then the song smart mouth is actually the first song i wrote with another person like actually had a collaborative effort tyler and i wrote that one Mm -hmm. and it's a beast of a song and i'm so happy about it because that was one that i just like had no idea what to do with and it took me a long time to ask for help because i was always taught that asking for help like makes you look weak or something Mm. but songwriting music's the one thing where it's like am i am i weak for asking for help or am i being part of a collaborative unit like there's a difference between thinking that you're oh like oh this is my fault i'm not good enough to be able to make this song on my own Mm -hmm. rather than just being like hey it's not necessarily needing help it's just wanting to work together so that's something that's starting out more that's cool that's fantastic because it's like i think it's also like Songs are always generally stronger when you start bringing in at least one other person to kind of like give it another listen and really like add on to it and stuff. There's a reason why so many pop stars have teams behind them too, because they really want to get it right, you know? And like, it's great whenever you have that band and especially people like Tyler and your band who can be like, okay, I really love what you're doing here with like the lyrics that you put together. Let's put something behind it that I feel like if anything, your band seems like they really want to amplify the message that you've got too. Yeah. I, I just have like a good group of people that aren't afraid to like do wild shit that I know I really want to do and then get it right. Like Dan, our drummer, he'll like do seven takes of the same song just so he can get like every drum break, right. Every symbol, like every single thing he wants to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And Doug is one of the most, like, talented, just being able to play by ear bassists that I've ever met. Like, all you have to do is tell him the key, and he's like, oh, we're fine, and then creates, like, these amazing bass lines that, if you pay attention to, I think they're brilliant. So, it's just nice to have people behind me that, like, I give them these diary entries. I'm like, here's my heart. Um, Do whatever you want with it. Just make it sound cool, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna make it sound cool, and that's nice. (laughs) that's also probably pretty validating too at that point too because it's like they they create something that's just as meaningful to support it yeah I I always when I would like play it open mic nights when I first started in Philly I was I was one of those people that would go on stage and apologize Mm -hmm. before I played a song and be like oh my god I just wrote this I'm so sorry like and for what so it's nice to 
surround myself with a group of people that has made me no longer want to ever apologize for anything anymore because I know these people believe in me that much, that they're willing to put themselves out there and put their name on something like this and have it mean something. So it's really nice. That's amazing. Well, I love that um, the record too, I like how it's been described um, as like a testament to what can happen when you move with, not away from life's up and downs. You might enjoy the ride. Is that kind of like the theme slash like maybe even mission statement of this record of like what you want people to experience? Uh, yeah, so um, my friend James Casser, he wrote the, uh, they wrote the bio for us and that was part of what they wrote, which like blew me away because it was insane to think that somebody could feel exactly what I was trying to get out there. I really think the, the message of this album truly is just like, release your inhibitions and feel the rain on your skin, man. It is truly <laughs> written by Natasha Bedingfield up in here. Um, it's, it's all just about letting go and just uh, allowing yourself to no longer give a fuck about anything. I don't know. Um, I wrote most of the songs about like how hurt I've been and how I held on to the hurt for so long. Mm -hmm. And I really think it was just a culmination of finally snapping and just realizing like, we're only here for so long. Like, why would I use my remaining time to hold on to things that make me feel so sad? So it's just like, let go. That's, that's all it is. It's just like, let go. That's all it is. <laughs> I love that so much for this record. And I feel like you launched so amazingly into that with, opening with nose to nose because it's like there's such a great theme of looking at yourself and all the things that you're holding on to and the way that it builds musically when you kind of push to kind of confront yourself versus like within kind of like the main um like within the chorus I should say versus like how you have throughout the rest of the lyrics and everything. To me, that's so interesting how you're able to kind of start to build and allude to that within even just that opening track. Um, what was it like for you to put that one together? So I actually, Nose to Nose um, is based off of, this is going to be ridiculous. And every time I tell this to people, they give me the most exasperated look I've ever seen in my life, but it's true. This song is based specifically on the scene in 2005 Pride and Prejudice when Kiera Knightley in her dream is Elizabeth Bennett is standing on top of the cliff. Have you seen Pride and Prejudice? I have. When she's standing on that cliff in her dream and she's just like letting the wind go along her and that piano crescendo is just playing in the background. That That is exactly what I was picturing when I wrote this song. Mm. And it really is just about like being able to face not only like your fears or your anxieties, but also face just like the ugliest parts of yourself and who you've been, who you've, who you've hurt. Because I'm, I'm not perfect. I know I've hurt people. I've had many of my own sins to atone for in this life that I like to think I've been working on and I've been healing from and growing from. But nose to nose is just tackling every ugly or negative part of yourself that you see and either growing from it or like moving through it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it really was just all about like realizing where you are, where you want to go and finding a path to get there. I love that. That's, I think that everything about that song is what immediately got me like hooked on your album right away. So it was really just brilliantly done. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I owe that song mostly to definitely the rest of the boys in the band because I wrote, that was the first song I wrote on the electric guitar too. So I was like just trying my best and we kind of got that sound done in just one playthrough. Like we were wow. just at a rehearsal space and I showed them the song and I was like, do you guys want to try to play it real quick? And they were like, absolutely. And Tyler came up with that like, like first try, like he didn't even have to give it more than 10 minutes before mm -hmm. that riff was in there already. And it, it just blew up as we kept playing it. And I knew that, that all I want people to feel when I, they hear nose to nose and especially like into smart mouth is just, I just want them to feel like ferocious. I just want people to feel like nothing can, I want them to feel like they could punch a cop in the face after they hear it. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> you have so many songs in this record that kind of feel that way. So I love it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> For sure. And I feel like, you know, if we were to pick like one of your hit singles here, it'd definitely be The Giving Tree because it's such like, first of all, very beloved story, but also I feel like you take it and transform it into a way of like conveying an experience that you've had. And oh, yeah. it's, it's beautifully done. Do you have like a relationship with the story or was it just more so something that's like, um, this is a really good reference point for me to kind of express my feelings? I think it was just, The Giving Tree is really, like, I wrote it a w long time ago, or I, I started writing, like, the verses a long time ago, but I remember um, I was just texting my friend about this guy that, like, I just really, 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 really liked and realized that it it was just, like, one-sided. Everything was just, like, I was 100% willing to do whatever, for no reason for no reason like that's so silly but and i really thought that if if i did everything that i could and was everything that i could be for long enough that suddenly the other party would wake up and realize like oh my god yes i have been there that whole time mm -hmm. and that's what happens sometimes when you hook up with a person for a really long time and then nothing mm -hmm. happens and I was telling my friend, I was like, I just feel like I'm giving and I'm giving and I'm trying and I'm getting nothing out of it. And I, I realized, I was like, wait, I know that story. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, um, I looked, I Googled it really quickly because I wanted to see if I could read it. And all I did was look at the cover image of the boy, like taking that apple from the tree. And I just wrote the choruses just from that picture because mm -hmm. I just you know, felt it. <laughs> That's incredible. And I love that, you know, even just the visual side of that was so inspiring for you. And I feel like there are aspects of the song that really, I think are inspiring, or at least like, um, clue me into things. Like, for example, one of the things that I thought was extremely profound was the line, I think the greatest lesson I've learned is some things you aren't meant to go back to. When I heard that the first time, I was like, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. I need to sit and think because this is so crucial and it's important. And I love that you conveyed that in this song. Yeah, I think every song that I write, it's not even that I'm talking to an audience. I'm just talking to myself. Like, mm -hmm. the gift tree is really me to myself being like, why, why are you doing this? Why won't you learn? Why won't mm -hmm. you close this book? You've read it a million times. Like, <laughs> just stop going back there and then I, I I'll, I'll never listen <laughs> <laughs> I, 
thrive in toxic relationships, I guess. And that can only mean so much about me. <laughs> well, we all have to go through those experiences. And sometimes you figure out one time, sometimes you figure out on six times, but eventually it, it, it one does day you'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, learned the hard way, been there, done that. But hey, it gets, it, it, it does click eventually. <laughs> I hope so. Um, there, there's just a lot in this world that nobody can teach you, no matter mm-hmm. how close, like we could have, be having the exact same problem, but there's only so much advice you're willing to take before you internalize it yourself. So that was just one of those pieces that I, of advice that I kind of wanted to give to future me at one mm-hmm. point. So I wrote it down so that maybe one day I would be listening in the future and I'd be like, you're right to me. <laughs> I love that. Well, it's brilliant advice. It's something that has stuck with me as I undergo any type of relationship that can be toxic. If you think about it, because it's like, you know, this doesn't have to always be in relation to like romantic relationships. It can be platonic that you have with friends. It can be with um, family members who have been toxic. You know, it's crucial. And yeah, it's to me, that was so, so valuable. So I I respect the hell out of that. That's for sure. I'm also a cancer, so uh, I love to hold a grudge and I love to hold on to things. It's, I tend to them like tiny little pets. <laughs> so I um, it's, and, it, and letting go is really hard, especially I think for people who haven't had much to hold on to in life. Mm-hmm. So when you do find things, you want to hold on to them so desperately. And then like, it takes, it takes a while for some people to learn that it's okay to not want to continue things anymore Mm -hmm. and to free yourself and it hurts but it's gonna hurt more the longer you hold on (laughs) like so yeah yeah that makes complete sense well definitely resonated with me within the song that's for sure and then definitely want to talk about title track here smart mouth and stuff because i feel like there's so much going on with this song i feel like one of the things i got out of it was definitely to like you know, there's all this negativity you can be exposed to and stuff. But for me, I took away feeling like, yeah, you got to just be unapologetically yourself and not hold back on shit. Is that like one of the things you were kind of hoping to get out of that song? So Smart Mouth originally was, um, so I'm very, I'm very, obviously by what you hear, I'm very open. I'm just, I'm unapologetic. I just don't care. I just wear my heart on my sleeve all the time. It gets me into more trouble than and not most of the time. I, I don't, I don't care. Um, <laughs> as long as I'm a good person, I don't care. Um, and smart mouth was about, it, it stemmed from, um, I, I have a history of, I, I am a sexual assault survivor. I am, I have had, uh, a past, um, and I've written about it in a much more somber sense. On my first EP, I wrote a song called last December. That was really, um, about like trying to heal from these things. But smart mouth was about me, reclaiming my sexuality for the most part um smart mouth is about kinky sex like for the most part like it's very literal when i <laughs> when certain lines like i i then meant exactly what you hear sometimes, sometimes there's not too much of a deeper meaning in things <laughs> but um it really was like reclaiming things that people made me feel bad about like being called yeah. a smart mouth when i was younger people tried to make that an insult and i'm sitting here like what is so insulting about me being a smart mouth, if anything, mm-hmm. I just think it makes me feel good. Like, yeah, what are you going to say? What, that's the best you got? Like, let's go. Um, 
I, I like to start fights when I was younger, especially like verbally. I really liked debating, not as a devil's advocate. I swear to God, I really want to put that out there. <laughs> like I just, I'm very passionate. I have a lot of strong opinions. I like to let them be known. Um, and it, Smart Mouth was really just me trying to build a monster of a song that was trying to empower anyone who was told that they're too bossy or too loud or obnoxious or they don't shut up, things like that. Fuck you. Like, keep talking. I don't care. If, like, I don't care. <laughs> That's so important. I feel like, in particular, because there, I know for sure there are so many people, especially marginalized people, who are constantly told not to be themselves, not to do this, not to do that, especially whenever it comes to like being vocal or having opinions or oh, yeah. like even just aspects of their identity, like sexuality. If you think about it, it's like how, well, Jesus, we have centuries of people like, repressing themselves because they were told not to be themselves so that's one of the things i loved about smart mouth is you were kind of pushing back on all of that bullshit and just being like just be yourself own who you are yeah it's like my entire life i've heard like oh you're not allowed to be too sexual or else you're a whore you're not allowed to be uh, too much of a prude or, or like too innocent or whatever or else um, your tease, shit like that. Like you mm-hmm. could, especially if you were any kind of a person with a uterus who had to grow up, whether you weren't out or you weren't like allowed to be exactly who you are and you were treated as a woman and you are, or you are a woman, like whatever, you have to fit into so many boxes and then you can't, you're not allowed to be in any though. You have to be sexual, but you're not allowed in sexual spaces. If you're a sex worker, you're blacklisted, you're, you're, like thrown away as trash by some people people really look down on that but if you never talk about sex then oh you're like you don't know anything like people can equate sexual knowledge to stupidity too and it just it makes me sick to know how stifled Mm -hmm. people are and they aren't allowed to be themselves or they don't feel safe to be themselves and that's the kind of world we live in run by people who tell us who we're allowed to be and i'm just fucking I'm done with it. Like, if anybody <laughs> has a problem with me being exactly who I am, we can talk about it in the comment section, and I'll promise I won't give a fuck. Like, I'm done with people telling me who I'm supposed to be, and I'm done. It makes me so sad to hear other people telling me about that, too. Like, whatever. Like, <laughs> why does it matter? Why doesn't everybody just mind their own fucking business? And like, if I want to get choked, let me get go get choked. That's my fucking business. Like... <laughs> care (laughs) it doesn't impact you unless you're the one who happens to be choking me (laughs) are you choking me no shut the fuck up like that's all that matters (laughs) like i don't understand how people can feel so insecure within themselves that they have to tell everybody else who they're supposed to be as if it's going to make you find any enlightenment about who you are right exactly if anything that's why i kind of latched onto one of the lines in here and maybe it's how you intended it maybe it isn't but like I want to be reminded of what it felt like to let go it's like that's like a lesson that so many fucking folks need to hear it's like fucking let go of this shit and like remember you can let go of this shit and it's a good feeling (laughs) I I never it took me about 26 years genuinely to finally just like snap and not care at all And I'm mad that it took me that long. I feel like I genuinely wasted so many years of my life caring so much about what everybody else thought of me and having to play perfect characters within perfect roles for every different kind of person. 
whether it was this guy I liked or this girl I liked or, or this friend group or that family member, like I, I'm, I'm sick of having to like replay roles that I never fit into. And I just like, at this point it's, I am this person. If you don't like it, I like, that's your own issue at this point. I, and I, I just don't care. Like I, and I hope smart mouth helps. I, if, if smart mouth helped one person also not care, that would be enough for me. Genuinely. <laughs> I love that. I think that's the anthem for not caring going forward. And I seriously mean that it's fantastic and very empowering. And uh, everybody who listens to it is slightly better for it, if not entirely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, smart mouth gives you clear skin. I heard a, I heard a rumor about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't had any breakouts ever since I started listening to the record. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just saying, just putting that out there. <laughs> so I got to ask, and I'm sorry, but, um, I got to ask you to pick your favorite baby. What's your favorite song on the record? Oh, I was like my favorite, like baby. Yeah, like a baby. <laughs> if you have any literal babies, you can drop their name in that like, too. And that too, my, but my coworker's daughter Claire is perfect baby. I really had to like start coming up with children. Holy crap, that scared <laughs> the fuck out of me. My favorite oh, baby on the record. <laughs> Ooh, fuck. I can I can I choose two? Am I allowed to for sure. different reasons? Okay, I'll I'm sorry. I, I can't. I love all of them so much. Um, <laughs> it, it's truly a tie between Echoes and In My Dreams, I think. Mm. And they're, li- they're, they're little sleeper hits. Um, Echoes is, I wrote that song the morning where we recorded it right before I got to the studio. Um, and then I composed it as I recorded it. So everything that was played was kind of like the first time I thought of it to do it. So I played the keys and the guitar on it. And I was just like, we didn't play to a click. I just played it live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why, but like, it really was, it was a, I promised myself when I wrote that song, it, I promised myself it was going to be the last song I wrote about a particular person. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of me being able to close a book on a chapter in my life and it just felt really nice. Um, and then in my dreams is the wall of sound that I always wanted to create with a group. And it sounds exactly like how I envisioned it to. Um, and at first it was written in a romantic sense towards somebody, but one of my oldest and closest friends passed away last year and there in November. And, um, the, after uh, that happened and I was singing it, it, I started just thinking about him when I was singing it. So it completely changed its meaning. And now it's a very, very personal mm-hmm. song for me talking to like that friend and telling them where I'll see them again. So I love that song. It, it feel I don't know when I wrote the line um, when I said I want to go home I meant I want to sleep in your arms like I, I just it just makes me feel really soft for somebody that that's kind of the only space I have with them anymore within that song. That's really special that you were able to kind of like capture the the meaning and the identity of that person and your relationship to them within that song that makes it just all the more special. Oh yeah, I can't wait. I hope, God, I hope one day I can play a show again and play it live and have everybody sing it with me because I really think that would, uh, that would just mean the world to me. So hopefully in like 2022. <laughs> <laughs> we'll boost this episode again or have you back so we can just keep promoting that. 
mom, so everybody just has it memorized and ready for the gig whenever it eventually is safe to have. It'll just be me screaming for 45 minutes, like, please. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I know you kind of alluded to it earlier and stuff, but is there um, something you really want your listeners to get out of your new record? I think I really – the record has been interpreted already in a few different ways that I didn't expect. So I think I just – want I just want people to listen to it and whatever they hear I want that I just want them to take whatever they need from it and mm-hmm. take it with them like even if it's it's something I didn't intend to write or say um I I really I I don't know if it's gonna be lame or whatever but I am a, a believer that like once you put something out into the world it's up to the people to kind of um make sense of it and mm-hmm. no longer up to you to dictate what it is so I, I think I just want people to if you hear something, take whatever you need. Take here, here, here is my heart. Take whatever you need from it in whatever moment that will either give you comfort or give you, um, I don't know, ferociousness. If it gives you any like recla- uh, reclamation of like anything you've lost before, just like if that's there, pick pick it up, take it with you. You can give it back if you want at any point. But I just want to give people some peace or power, I guess. I love that. Well, Giving Tree, we got to get back to you sometimes, though. Just remember that. <laughs> hey, don't say that. <laughs> I didn't like that. All right. We, we got we to help you out, too, honestly, because this record has given so much to us as listeners, that's for sure. <laughs> that's insane to hear. <laughs> um, that's all I want. I don't care, and I know I should, and I'm working on self-care and everything like that, but I don't... as as long as I know people are happy, I am happy with that. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. Yeah. I love that. Well, honestly, thank you for this record. It's so amazing. And I know that this year is kind of a wash, 2021 possibly as well. We'll find out. Um, but I'm kind of curious, what other stuff are you working on for Riverbee? And like, maybe what are some of the goals you have? Listen, I have to say in terms of my life, I thrive it's so bad. I thrive in chaos and the unknown. Any single time something weird happens to me, I'm always like, that makes perfect sense. And I have a very kind of collected mind to be able to, I drove through Hurricane Sandy to go to a mall. Like I was an idiot back. I just, I, I'm fine with whatever life throws at me as long as it doesn't affect people I love. Like I'm chilling. Um, I actually started uh, writing the second record today. I have wow. my guitars in front of me right now. I'm I'm a fast mover and I have a lot on my mind. So I would love to get an album, another album started. I've got some ideas. Uh, right now, I think Riverbee is just kind of having fun with this one. Really hope that one day we can play shows with our friends again and see something right now. I think our main focus is on the movement in the country right now and making sure that we can help build a new system because the system's broken and try to help out our marginalized friends, black people, people of color, LGBTQ people, and just make the world a safer space for them and make sure that they are held within those spaces. I think that's what we're focusing on right now. That's incredible. And I love that at least on take this to hearts website and stuff, it talks about how 100% of the album profits going to be going to the split bail fund via act blue, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, um, that's something you made as a decision as a band or like with the label. How did that kind of come about? Cause that's so awesome that you're doing that with this release. I, 
the thing is, is that I'm, I'm, I appreciate you saying that. I don't think it's awesome of any of us to do this because I think it's the bare minimum of what we should. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of told Joe the moment that Joe at Take This to Heart Records, the moment the protests began, I texted him and I went, I feel uncomfortable releasing anything right now, but if we do, I can only do it under these circumstances. And I kind of was just like, mm. we have, if I'm a white person, I, I don't care my Jewishness, my queerness, my identity, everything within that has, is, is in itself, but I above all am white. So if you glance at me, none of that is going to matter because I still have my white privilege on top of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not using my voice and the privilege that I have to lift up every marginalized person, then I don't understand what I would be doing here, if not to be self-serving. Mm-hmm. So uh, the National Bail Fund is very important to me because I believe the prison system should just be abolished. Um, a mass prison system wasn't even put in place until the 13th Amendment, where they said that uh, slavery is only allowed within uh punished people like if you weren't in jail slavery was okay so that's when the prison system and the police system came about Mm -hmm. so my goal is to help get as many people out of jail as possible especially with stupid like traffic stops and petty drug charges as long as white people can make themselves famous for weed no black person should be in jail for a marijuana charge period because the war on drugs um so it is everything within me to keep giving as much money as I can to those funds as long as I'm able and also reallocate other profits to like Morris Home, which is a um, recovery center here in Philadelphia for trans black individuals. Um, it's also girls, glitz, things like that. We have to start helping our black trans families because they are the heart of all the movements. I mean, LGBT people would be nothing, nowhere near where they are today without them. So it's just very important to me to use the voice that I might have to help because because shit's fucked up. <laughs> Definitely. And I respect the hell out of your band for doing that right now and stuff because I know we're in this like we've we've lived in turbulent times for a long time, but and well before even any of it coming to kind of like the mainstream, if you will, and stuff and for your band to just actively say, yeah, we're we're helping we're doing our part and we'll continue to do so it's just so important so you know respect for that truly well yeah black people have had to play atlas for hundreds of years for their entire lifetimes and carry the world on their shoulders when nobody was listening to them to help so white people need to step the fuck up and stop looking for praise and stop looking for a thank you and stop looking to try to be allies and just fucking do what they have to do to take the weight off of these marginalized people's shoulders. Cause it's not like they've had a choice, but we have a choice to do something. Right. So I'm really happy that I'm surrounded by people who will help me do that. 100%. Yeah. Cause the onus is not supposed to be on the marginalized on black people. It's supposed to be on the people who are in power. So yeah. That's and we really sure do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The world is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, every day I wake up and I'm like, how, 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 one more, let's go, well, fuck it, fuck. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, it's awesome what you're able to accomplish with Smart Mouth, it's very empowering, and what you're doing with the 
funds raised and stuff is super cool. So really excited about this record for sure. Um, Thank you. Of course. Uh, so I always like to round out an interview with one last question. If you could play a show with any three artists or bands, they could be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead. Who would it be? Oh no. Okay. Um, oh God. <laughs> I, I don't know why my first instinct is like, I don't want to be wrong. Um, there are no wrong I, answers. This is your I know. show. That's the thing. It's my dream. <laughs> and I'm like, what if it's incorrect? I, <laughs> what? Um, I would like do anything. <laughs> I think the most fun show in the world. I'm gonna do a um, I'm gonna do a four band bill right here. I'm gonna say Riverby. I would love to open for a hundred guests, um, and Nirvana. <laughs> and um, there's one, and probably honestly, I would love to have Mannequin Pussy on that lineup. If it would be me, Mannequin Pussy, 100 Gex, and Nirvana, that would be my dream show. Wow. This is a glorious show. It really is. And I want it to be at Union Transfer. That would be a baller of a show for me. Wow. I'm going to go to bed tonight so sad that I'll never get that show. <laughs> you could get the show at least with Mannequin Pussy, though, so we can put that out into the universe. Is it disrespectful for me to get a hologram Kurt Cobain? I think yes. But I'm going to hold on to that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) It would be fucked up. I shouldn't want that. Never mind. (laughs) Well, this is an awesome gig, and I love what your choices were for sure. Um, You know, let's just bring Kurt back alive so you don't have to worry about the... uh, the discourse of hologram or not <laughs> holograms really freak me out in general they do I mean, they're I, a little weird i yeah i don't it it reminds me of the gorillas but worse yeah but like more <laughs> disrespectful to the dead like <laughs> it's, it, it's weird because there's a lot of assumptions there with like the estate agreeing to it and stuff and like oh who God. is the estate anyway is it a lawyer is it the family you hope it's the family but even they do they know let's let's take the gorillas and make it just super fucked up and controversial how about that it's like <laughs> ooh, that's an, that's terrible how about we never do that who sat there and was like this is a good and ethical thing to do <laughs> But that is my dream. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful dream regardless. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Sophia, I've had such a blast talking to you. (laughs) Where can everybody keep up with Riverbee on the internet? So Riverbee on the internet, we have a website. It's riverbeephl.com. That's a website full of our links, resources for the movement right now, a whole bunch of stuff. You can find me shitposting on Twitter constantly at riverbeephl, which is also our Instagram handle. Facebook, um, Venmo, it's also River BPHL, just a heads up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, we're everywhere under that, under that tag. So. Awesome. Well, everybody's going to have to be sure they give you a follow. Be sure that they give a very big, wonderful listen to Smart Mouth. This has been so fantastic. Thank you so much, Sophia. Thank you so much. It was so nice. And I appreciate all of your time and labor going into all of this. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely.
Thank you so much to Sophia for sharing all of what went into Smart Mouth, her songwriting style, and so much more. In fact, I think we almost talked for an hour after we stopped recording about Star Wars, and I am always so appreciative whenever I get to talk to somebody who's a big geek and is just a lover of all that kind of stuff. So uh, Sophia is really awesome. Please, please support them. And be sure to grab your physical copy or digital stream of Smart Mouth, which is now out on Take This to Heart Records. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Anger Girl music at the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angergirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angergirlmusic at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram at, at angergirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music at the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy, Kitzmiller, Sam Zarowitz, and Orla Tinsey. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay angry. And, you know, just keep staying strong out there. I love you all. Bye for now.